you know, Google Ephesians chapter 5. Um, and so if you have your Bibles, turn there. Or maybe you have a, a version on your phone or your tablet or something you like to bring. Uh, go ahead and use that as well. But Ephesians chapter 5 is where we're going to be there. So uh, let me speak to me like you're turning on your, your phone to your version, And uh, then I'll feel really good about myself up here. You can shoot me a tweet or something like that. And uh, I'll really feel important. Um, I'm going to walk you through these verses so that we can really discover uh, a couple of things. And before we really jump in, I want to walk you through uh, the entire thing. And, and here's where we're going to go in Ephesians chapter 5. Uh, it's a story about this guy named Paul. Now, let me say before I talk about him, if you're not a Bible person this morning, all right, let's say you would call yourself a real, you're skeptical of the, of the Bible and, and just the whole Christianity thing. I want to encourage you or ask you for the next few minutes to somewhat turn off your skepticism. Why? Because this morning, I promise you, we're not asking you to believe in, in Noah and uh, Adam and Eve and a, a talking donkey and all those type of things. That's not where we're going uh, this morning in, in this. Now, those stories are real to us. We love talking about those type of stories. We'd love to have a conversation anytime. But that's really not our focus this morning. Um, so just kind of put that off. But go with us in where we are going, because I think this is going to be really important to all of us. Now, we're going to look at this guy uh, named Paul and look at the words that he wrote, the Apostle Paul. You might have heard of the Apostle Paul. In fact, we just finished a series through the book of Acts where we talked about him for about half the series when we were walking through that, because he writes about half of the New Testament. There's a lot to talk about this guy. So, uh, the Apostle Paul, and this is really the interesting thing if you're, you're kind of back in church or you don't know the story about Paul. Paul did not step on the pages of history as a Christian, as a believer in Jesus Christ. In fact, it was quite the opposite. Paul steps on the pages of history as somebody who is totally hell-bent on destroying Christianity. That's what he is about. His job and his profession allowed him that. Because you see, Paul is a religious leader. He's a Jewish religious leader in his day. And this Christianity was like, it was like a knockoff Jewish cult. That's how they looked at it. And so the same way you think about cults today, that's how Paul looked at Christianity. And so his job, and what he decided he was going to do, is eradicate Christianity. And so what he did was he went to his bosses, and he got permission from these other Jewish leaders in Jerusalem to be able to go and to arrest Christians, and that's what he did. Now, it wasn't his job to put to death Christians, but guess what? Paul was so prominent, when they couldn't decide what to do with him, they came to Paul and said, hey, what do you think? Should we, should we put him to death or keep him in prison? And guess what Paul's vote was? The book of Acts tells us Paul's vote was always put him to death. And Paul felt like in just a few years, he would wipe this whole thing out. But then, Paul tells this story, right? And, or this story is told in the New Testament about Paul. That really in a single day, in just a single moment, everything changed for Paul entirely. And we find out that Paul, just in a, a single moment, he is confronted by Christ blinded, and just a couple days later, it is so clear that he is now a Bible-believing Christian. Now, as Christians, we grow up in the church, right? We hear this story, and we are numb to this story. But he goes from one day trying to eradicate Christians, two days later, this guy is ready to be a Jesus follower. He goes from destroying Christians to, I'm going to tell people about Christianity the rest of my life. That is Paul's conversion story. Let me put it in a different context for you, okay? Um, just so you understand uh, where we're at. Now, you don't have to, to 
you don't have to buy into this part, but I'm putting it in context here, okay? So don't go throw anything at the stage here, all right? All right, so let me put it this way. Let's say you're a Democrat, right? And imagine you're on your way to work, and something happens. And before you get out of your car, you are now a Republican, through and through. And not just a Republican, but you decide, I am going to go to work, and I am now going to convert everyone at my work to be Republicans, because that's what they need to be, right? All right, flip side, you're a Republican, right? And something so amazing or something happens in your car, so life-changing or so impactful that you say, like, okay, I'm going to switch entirely. I'm going to be a Democrat. And you get to your work, and you say, listen, everyone, before I leave today, um, we're going to sit down and we're going to have this conversation about you, uh, you know, now becoming a Democrat. Now, you might look at me, because I know some of you are very politically active, right, um, on both sides. You might look at me and say, Tom, that's impossible. Dumb example. Could never happen. All right? Would take an act of God. And you know what Paul would say? That's exactly what happened. That's what happened. That I was this, and then the next moment, I was this completely opposite of where I was at. And so uh, this morning, um, if you're not really into the Bible, maybe you might even be wondering, why am I here this morning? Um, And I want to tell you that this is not about believing every nuance of the Bible, this teaching this morning. This is about taking the words of Paul, who maybe once believed about Jesus, what, I don't know, maybe some of you believe about Jesus, and yet when he met Jesus, he started to think something entirely different, and then he gives us this type of words this morning that, that we'll put into the frame of a question. And when he wrote this stuff that we're looking at this morning, this isn't like a guy who was 200, 300, 400 years later. This is a guy that he was around just, just 20 years after Christ when he wrote these things. It's very, very early on, and so he talked with the people that Jesus walked with. He knew of Jesus' existence even when he was alive. So this is, this is current in Paul's time, not one of these, you know, long, long ago in a galaxy far, far away type of stories. So he gives us this life insight is what he does this morning. So if you have your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 5. Um, and here's one more thing before we take a look at it. Even if you don't take the Bible seriously, even if you don't take Christianity seriously, you should take this question seriously because I think it has, it has an impact uh, on your life that, uh, that can apply in really every single areas. So uh, it's, it's uh, good news this morning uh, for you if you're, if you're not as much in the Bible because guess what? You get to choose whether you apply this question or ask this question or not. But Christians this morning, you don't have a choice. God's Word tells us we have to ask this question. We have to ask this question in every single thing we do. But here's the thing. As believers, we get what we call this power of the Holy Spirit to go out and live out this question. So Paul's writing this letter, and he's writing to a whole bunch of Christians. He's labeled to the Ephesians, but we know it was written to a lot of churches, and it circulated around. It was that important of a letter. And he says this, look, you used to live in darkness. Now you live in light. That, that's how he says in, in the book of Ephesians. You used to deceive each other along the way, but now you, you need to treat each other better. You need to treat each other really well. 
And he's saying here, look, you can't mistreat people anymore. You can't look at life anymore. He's basically saying in the book of Ephesians, here is some really practical teaching that tells you your life's got to be different when you live a life in Christ. And so that's what he's telling you. Look, you have to treat people not as they've treated you, but now it's time to treat people the way your heavenly father has treated you. And so that's what he's teaching them throughout the book of Ephesians. It'd be much like you sitting your kids down and teaching them how to behave and how to treat other people and talk to other people and not deceive and on and on and on and that kind of things. And look, he's saying this, you got to live a different life. That's what you got to do. You got to live a different life here. Talks about deceit, immorality, the way they talk to each other, that type of stuff. But Paul's smart. And he realizes something. He realizes that uh, this is a hard sell. It's really tough. He's not with them. He's writing a letter to them. He's a far distance away. And he's telling them, I want you to live a dramatically different life than what you've lived. That's a pretty hard sell for Paul. So what he does here in the beginning of this passage is, is he really just takes a step back. And he gives a question. We would call it maybe like a baby step here. And he doesn't put it in the form of a question. We'll do that this morning. But he gives him kind of a baby step to process all of everything that he's talking about in the book of Ephesians. And we find that here in Ephesians 5.15 if you're trying to follow along. Now, he hits this right after some real hard practical stuff. And then he backs up and he says this. So let me ease you into it. Here's what he says. Verse 15. Be very careful then how you live. Be very careful how you live. Be careful. You know, the word live there, it's actually in the original language, Greek, which the New Testament was written in. It actually means the word walk. In fact, some of you are right now nodding your head because you got your Bibles open and you see your translation has worded it walk. It means to walk. So Paul is saying there, look, be careful how you walk. Be careful how you walk around. And the Greek term for careful there, it's actually kind of like a visual term. And you use this term all the time. The visual term is look around. Look around. Have you ever told your kids, hey, pay attention to what's around you? That's what Paul is saying here. So be careful how you walk. Be careful and look around yourself. Look around. That's what Paul's saying. Um, I want you... As you live your life, as you walk around, look, look ahead, look beside you, look around you, look down, look up, look everywhere, and be aware of where you're headed in life. And so that's the first part uh, of this verse he's saying. But he goes on here, and he says, be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. And in this verse, he equates unwise with careless, and he equates wise with careful. He says, you want to be wise? then you don't want to live unwise. You say, duh. Um, that's what he's saying. Wise is this. Do whatever, whenever, with whoever. Don't necessarily think through the consequences or what comes left. Wise, though, is what he says is be careful. Be careful. Look at where you're going. L- think about where you've been and pay attention to what's going on around you. And then he continues. Here's what he says. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise. We just read that. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. This is an interesting part that Paul gets into. This word opportunity, it's actually a time word. It it, it equates to time when he's writing here. In fact, literally this word 
points to a place in time, is what Paul is saying. He's saying, I want you to take advantage of every opportunity you have, or specifically, in the original language, I want you to redeem your time. Redeem your time. Have you ever used that phrase before, to redeem your time? Make good use of your time, is what he's saying here. Making the most of every opportunity. Valuing your time. Now, you've heard it said before, time is money, right? Meaning, our time is very, very important to us. I don't know how you feel, but sometimes I'm like, I, I don't understand how I'm going to get done in this day what I need to get done. And then sometimes I look back and go, I don't know how I got done in that day what I got done in that day. It's almost like one way or another we're either cheating time or we don't understand where the time's going to come from in the future. So we understand what Paul is really saying here when he talks about opportunity and time. And so he's saying, look, your greatest asset, your most important asset is your time. In fact, here in the church world, um, our desire is that you would plug in coming on Sunday morning, plug into a small group, and plug into serving somewhere. Outside of that, we want your Christian life to be built and, and, and to grow in your context. At, in your neighborhood, at work, in those relationships you have. We don't want you signed up for five things every night throughout the week because guess what? We understand your time is important and God has his own building and growing and involvement in things that he has for your life outside of this as well. Paul understood that and that's what he's saying here. I want you to be careful. I want you to be wise. I want you to make good use of your time. And then this interesting phrase. It says, because the days are evil. Now, what does he mean by that? Now, if we're not careful, our knee-jerk reaction is saying, I know what he means by that, and we start to rattle off every sinful thing that might have been going on during Paul's time, and then we say, hey, it's much like today, and we start rattling off every sinful thing that might be going on in our time and day today. But here's what I want to tell you Paul is saying here, and we know this because he speaks this way in several other places in his writings. What he's really saying here is, look, you live in a time you, he's talking to his Ephesians friend, but I think the same thing can apply to us. You live in a time that if you were to just lift up your feet to the current of culture, that current is going to take you somewhere that you don't want to go. That's really what Paul is getting at here. If you were to just lift up your feet to, the, to today's current of culture relationally, then it's going to take you somewhere relationally that you don't want to go. If you lift up your feet to the, to the culture financially, then it's going to take you somewhere, but financially you're going to say, how in the world did I get here, and why does it look like this now? That's what Paul is getting at. When you think about your relationship with your kids, your relationship with your husband, your wife, anyone else out there, you think about your profession, Paul looks and he says, look, the days we live in, there are these pressures you have that if you just simply flow with the current of culture, you're going to go somewhere you didn't really want to go. And that's what he's getting at in this verse, to be careful how you live then, because this current is taking us somewhere. He says one more part, though, here. I want to walk through this verse, and this is, uh, this is very interesting. Here's what he says. Therefore, do not be foolish, but, I'm going to tell you why that's capitalized in just a second, but understand what the Lord's will is. Now, with Paul, this is, this is a little dig. This is a little dig at us who look for loopholes. In fact, let me talk to Christians for just a second here. This is a little dig when we look for loopholes around what we know is right. Do you ever do that? Am I the only one? You know, where we look at little loopholes and we ask questions like, well, is it really that wrong to do that? It's not illegal. 
Um, yeah, I don't think it'll get me in that much trouble. And this is what Paul is talking about uh, when he says here, don't be foolish. It's kind of this attitude, and I've said all of these. Um, the, well, I, I know it says that, but... Or we say, you know, I, I know she or he called, um, but um, I know my parents said that, but I don't know if they really, you know, meant that. So they, they did. So um, it's, it, it's like we know what we probably should do, but we're looking for a little loophole, a little way around it. So here's what the Apostle Paul is saying, because he knows the way we think. He says, look, don't be foolish. Don't be careless. But, big contrast here understand what the Lord's will is. Now, there are uh, two words for but in the New Testament, and that's what I'm getting at here. All right, there's two words here, and one of them is a really strong, emphatic word that contrasts two things. That's the word that Paul uses here. I mean, this is, when he says this, this is like a big, big but that he's putting in as far as the two trends. I'm like, this is Sir Mix-a-Lot. All right, here, I mean, this is really significant, the word that he's saying here, all right? And what is he contrasting? He's contrasting what is foolish, all right? What's foolish with what the Lord's will is. And that's what he's contrasting. And remember the word he's using that, it's emphatic. It is a strong, strong word of contrast that he's using here. And really he's saying, look, he's saying, look, don't mess around with this. You know already. You know. Don't be foolish, You know what God wants you to do. You know what God's will is. You know what's right and what he's asked you to follow. So don't be foolish. Don't keep looking for ways around it. Don't look finding ways to justify it. Don't keep asking the questions that you want to ask so that in the end you can end up doing what you want to do. That's what Paul is getting at. That's kind of the dig here to Christians as he's saying, don't be foolish, but strong emphatic word word there for contrast do what God's will is. You know what it is, so get out there and do it. And really, in other words, he's saying, Christians, you know. You know. You know what the right thing to do is. You know what God's will is, and so you do it. Because if we don't and live carelessly, if we just kick up our feet to the current of culture, it will take us somewhere that we don't want to be. So, that's what Paul's talking about here. The focus of our question comes at the beginning here when he says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. The test for every opportunity, all right? The test for every decision, the test for every invitation you get. It isn't, what is everybody else doing? And it's not, what is the legal thing to do? It's not, what did I do last time? And it's not, what can I get away with? It's simply this. This question Paul is telling us is, what is the wise thing to do? What is the wise thing to do is what Paul is speaking to us about. What's the wise thing to do? I use this question with other people much, much easier than I use it for myself. Are you with me? What's the wise thing to do? That's what Paul's saying. Be very careful, not as unwise, but as wise. This is the question that answers just about everything, everything, if we were to ask this question before we do anything. Will you read it out loud with me? What is the wise thing to do? Yeah, that's not bad. That's like halfway decent on our first try. One more time. What is the wise thing to do? Good. Now, I know that uh, many of you right away, this is what you said. Man, this is good stuff for my kids. 
You know, I wish my brother-in-law was here to hear this this morning. You know, or, man, relationship with my, my parents, I you know, wish they were here. They'd understand me a lot better if they were sitting here. No, this is for you this morning. This is for me this morning. In fact, I'm going to tell you, this kicked my butt this week just reading this and studying this and working through this question. All right, so for the remainder of our, our few minutes, I want to look briefly at this question in three ways. This, these three aspects of how we apply this. Now, I think it's going to be personal. For some, it'll be more uncomfortable than others to walk through this question because especially on the first one, like right away, you'll have these thoughts that come up in your life, uh, and you'll see that as we get to it in just a second. Um, I, I really think that sometimes we wonder, why is it so easy for me to make a wrong decision sometime? And I think the answer comes in this question, because we don't ask this question enough. And so what happens is we go, not wrong, not bad, not illegal, maybe not even sinful or anything like that, but we go unwise, 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 big fat mess. That's kind of the process goes. We don't start out saying, I'm going to go out and just do the worst thing I can do. It's this series of unwise, unwise, unwise. If we put this question in the front of it, it sure helps quite a bit when we walk through this. That's what Paul is teaching us. So let's look at these three areas. The first one's this. In light of my past experience, what is the wise thing to do? In light of my past experience, what has already happened to you? Now, can you remember when you say, hey, I remember the last time I went there. Oh, that was pretty bad. That didn't work out so well. And I remember the last time I went with that particular group or did uh, that particular thing here, that didn't work out so well. I remember the last time I had one too many and what happened after that. And you can think about, in light of our past experience, what is the wise thing to do? Now, the Bible tells us this. When you come to know Christ, your sins are forgiven. We don't live in the guilt of the past. Romans chapter 8, verse 1 tells us that. But guess what? It teaches us about the future. It teaches us about what is wise to do now. You got an addictive personality, whatever it is that you have been addicted to, guess what? Paul would say, what's the wise thing for you to do? To sit yourself in front of that? Probably not. What's the wise thing in light of my past experience? What is the wise thing to do? Look, this is important. Do you know why history keeps repeating itself for us in like our finances or relationship or things like that? Because we don't ask this question. And so we continue and we do the same thing hoping for different results. Doesn't come often, now does it. It's this mentality, we can boil it down to this. It's the, I'm going to try harder, I will do better this time. That's our, our strategy on that. But in light of my past experience, what is the wise thing to do? What's the wise thing? That's what Paul is saying. Look, come on, come on, don't be stupid. You've been there already. You walk through it already. In light of that, what is the wise thing for you to do? You see, I, I don't know about you, but I hate this question. <laughs> because the desires sometimes or the tendencies don't necessarily go away, and which means my wants don't necessarily go away. And I still want. But then I have to remember, it wasn't very wise. The outcome wasn't very good. The other night, I experienced this. I was laying in bed, and I was having, like, pain all the way across here, right? And I was uh, making noises as well, um, mainly out of my mouth with burps and all this kind of stuff. And, and I was like, this feels terrible. Well, I had this, this gasp because that day, I had ate like a madman that day. Just, 
Everywhere I went, every errand I ran, I looked and there was something really cool on the shelf of the place that I went to, you know, soda here, chips here, whatever. I mean, I ate like crazy. And this is, I got to be careful here because my, you know, my gym coach is here and I know I'll probably get killed on Monday. But it was, a, it was Rob, it was just a bad food day. All right. All right. Um, and I, and so that night I laid in bed and I went to the store once. I came back with medicine, and Shree said, you know, you didn't get the right stuff. You're going to have to, so I went to the store again. It, that's how it was. I mean, I had to find relief in that. In light of my past experience, today I can tell you, that was a bad plan, and I don't think I'll do that again, uh, eating the way I ate the other, other day. If you're tired of history repeating itself, we know what Paul's saying? Ask this question in light of your past experience. Because I would recognize that though, you know, having some, some air bubbles coming up is a funny little story, your story is much more serious. Your past and what you're thinking of right now is much more serious. Here's a second one, though, that we can walk through. In light of my current circumstances, what is the wise thing to do? In, in light of my current circumstances, what I'm going through right now, what is the wise thing to do? You see, you just got married. Uh, things are all new to you. And, and I know you used to do that. I know you used to have that two weeks where you could go away. And I know your buddies used to be able to join you and do this and that. But the question is, in light of your current situation, is that still the wise thing to do? In light of your current situation. It may not be bad. may not be wrong. Not illegal. But what is the wise thing to do now? You got a kid you just sent to college, or you've been out of work a couple weeks, maybe your health has been uh, off the last few months. What's the wise thing to do in light of your current situation? And you think about this, um, in light of your current vulnerabilities, maybe in light of your current time restraints, maybe in light of your current bank account statement, what is the wise thing? Thing to do. This is a way better question to ask than just simply, is this wrong to do? Um, can I get away with this? Is anybody going to be looking on me, you know, giving me a hard time for this? This is a way better question to say, what is the wise thing to do here in light of my current situation? It's, it's so easy to say, I think, because I've said it so many times, it'll be all right this time. We'll, we'll make it. We can handle that. I can do that. You know, it should work out okay. And I think I've calculated it okay. But the question is, what is the wise thing to do in light of my current situation? Then finally, in light of my future hopes and dreams, what's the wise thing to do? In light of my future hopes and dreams, here's the tragedy. The tragedy is this. To trade, to trade in tomorrow for something today that I won't even own tomorrow. Wouldn't that be a tragedy? A, a terrible thing to, to trade like a future relationship for a relationship now, a short relationship that I know is not going to still be here later. To trade that type of future in. It's always this bad idea to trade something in your future, for, to trade that in for something you want now that you know you're not going to have later. Listen, you don't need any explanation on that. You immediately had thoughts of what that meant. Why? Because, you see, none of us are too old to have thrown away some of our future hopes and dreams already, or to have to regroup and recalculate how we would have a plan put in place for this. The question that has power really to change the trajectory of our life, or where we're going for that stuff to still be there for us, is this, in the light of my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise 
thing to do. You know, it's Jesus that understood this question when he talked about eternity. Here's what he said. He said, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy or where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Can you see where, where Jesus himself is saying the same thing? Look, don't trade today I don't trade tomorrow, excuse me, for something temporary today that won't even be there. It won't even be there. So hang on and ask this question. So uh, we need this question. I, I need this question. In fact, the question might have been for me as I studied, and you just maybe got the extra benefit of me sharing it with you because uh, uh, well, I had written it. What else was I going to preach this morning? But this is a significant question for all of us. I want to ask you this morning, though, as I was thinking, and I was asking, is there any question that would trump this, that would be a more significant question? And I think I came away with one that I think might have been more significant than even asking the question. What's the wise thing to do? And it's this. It's kind of your takeaway this morning. The question is, where do you get your wisdom? What's the wise thing to do? Well, I still might be able to kind of manipulate the word wise. Where do I get my wisdom? And ask yourself that question. This is an important question to ask yourself. Where do I get my wisdom? For some of us, we spend so much time in front of media, I don't know, TV, news, pop culture, all this kind of stuff, that whether we realize it or not, we have got our wisdom through that. For some of us, you know, we, we might just be like bookworms and we're so locked into what we studied book-wise and we said, you know, I, before I realized it, I, I was getting my wisdom through my readings. If it's nonfiction, that, that can still be good. Sometimes our fiction, that turns out really bad if we try to be a character and call that wise living. Where do you get your wisdom? You see, as believers in Christ, as Christians, I would say we get our wisdom through God's Word. That's what it's about. And so whether you're a Christian or a non-Christian here this morning, you might need to hear this the same way, that our wisdom comes from reading God's Word. I've been reading God's Word since I was 16. I became a Christian, started studying it when I was 18, and I went to college, and pretty much have been studying it ever since. And can I tell you something? Can I just let you in on a little confession, a little secret this morning? I hate a lot of it. <laughs> Not because I don't believe it or it's not good for me, because it's not very easy. And some of it, as I read, it doesn't quite even make sense to me. And sometimes I read some things and I go, I go, God, what are you really getting at here? And so what does it make me do? Study it more, look at it more, see what God is really trying to communicate to me. And I find almost every time the things that I struggle with, the things I didn't like the first time I read it, it's like it comes full circle. And before I'm done really studying, because I'm still studying it to this day, God gives me these, these nuggets of wisdom to say, but Tom, do you see if you were to live this way, if you were to do this, do you see what it would bring to your life? Do you see what joy it would bring? Do you see how I could advance your life? And see, as a believer in Christ now for, I don't know how many years, you do the math, um, I have found that my wisdom comes from God's Word. Even at times when I don't understand what God is communicating with me, I just stay involved and I stay reading. So this morning, if you're a believer, as we finish off, you need to be asking this question. What's the wise thing to do? You need to be looking in God's Word. You need to be looking a whole lot more than the stats tell us that Christians actually get into God's Word. You need to look in there and you need to keep asking yourself, what 
is the wise thing to do? In light of what God has revealed to me in Scripture, what is the wise thing to do? If you're not a Christian this morning, if you've been skeptical to it all, here's my challenge to you this morning. Ask the question, what is the wise thing to do in every situation of your life, just the same way that we're all asking that question. My encouragement to you is to spend some time opening up God's Word, specifically Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, books that tell us about Jesus Christ himself, and read. And read it with this lens. Read it with the lens of, what would the wise thing in my life be based on what I'm reading about Jesus Christ? And I think this question this morning, what is the wise thing to do for both groups, would be enhanced to a much higher degree. And you'll walk away going, wow, I have some pretty incredible testimony to share because of the application of this question. Not only that, I think you're going to save yourself a lot of hardship, a lot of time, money, and heartache as well. Hey, I want to pray for you right now, and then I've invited our praise team to come back up and lead us in one more. Let's pray. Father, this morning I know that there's probably people from all walks of life, all spiritual backgrounds. Lord, I know that I, I look at some out here that have they've been walking with you for much longer than I have, Lord, and they're deep and and, and mature in their faith, and others that are, are brand new to it, and others that uh, they're not quite there in it yet, Lord. But this question is so central for us this morning. And I want to pray, first of all, for the person that as they asked the question about their past experience and wished in their past they had asked this question, they wished that they had had this scripture that they could process and apply, that this morning that they would know that when they seek you and they say, Lord, forgive me for that, you do it in a heartbeat. And that when they can go to someone else and say, hey, you know, I'm sorry I wronged you. Forgive me for that. That's my greatest regret. That there is forgiveness that is found. And so, Lord, would you release that person and give that person freedom this morning to be forgiven? Lord, I know that for others, just the whole idea of processing the question, actually verbalizing it and saying it in front of their families, what's the wise thing to do? Lord, I pray that, I, that that's a challenge that they would take and they would own and they would put into practice immediately today. And I think that immediately they'll see the results. But Lord, even more so is the challenge of saying, where do we get our wisdom? And Father, this morning I'm praying, Father, that you would draw us to your word. You would draw us to something that can help us, that can give us wise living and that can encourage us and that can keep us out of pitfalls of life. And so I pray this morning, Christian or non-Christian, you would draw us to your word. And as we're reading, we would process, what is the wise thing to do in light of what I'm reading, what I'm gaining here? And then, Lord, would you give us this testimony of, of changed life, of something new, of something we avoided, something we got through, something you provided. And, Lord, would uh, you go with us then, and, and then would you allow us to be able to share those stories with somebody? And Lord, if there be somebody this morning, I pray, Lord, for the greatest question to be answered, that somebody that may be ready to just to say, you know, I'm, I need to become a Christian is what I need to do. I need to say yes to Jesus. You know, you can do that so simply by just saying, Lord, forgive me how I lived. Come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. I want to live for you. A heartfelt prayer like that is, in an instant, you are his child. And so if that's you, pray that in your own words, in your own head now, and God will receive it, and he'll own it, and you're his child. We pray that all in your son's name. Amen.
Well, I'm glad you came this morning. I hope you have a great afternoon. If you would, take that card, and and, uh, if there's anything we need to be praying for you about, we pray Monday mornings uh, for everything that's going on in the church. Mark that on the card, and you'll also notice some other things. If if this morning you want to start a spiritual journey as well, a walk with Jesus Christ, let us know that. We'd love to show you uh, really how to start that and what you can do uh, as well. Maybe it's even deeper for you. Maybe you've been a believer and you're just like, look, I need a little counseling. I need a little conversation, a little help in this area. Let us know on the bottom of that card and we'd love to contact you right away and, and walk through that. In just a couple weeks, uh, we start our small groups uh, on the 21st. Our goal is for everyone to get connected in a small group somewhere. We've got about 11 that we're launching. It's a pretty good number for a church our size. And so uh, uh, we'll just check your email and see that and, and you can mark your card this morning. Just say, I want to plug into a small group, and we'll connect with you right away about one that's uh, close and in your area as well. All right. Well, our ushers are going to come through. They'll take our morning offerings. You can use the envelopes uh, that are uh, on your seat if you need to, or just drop it right in. We would ask if you took a pen from us this morning, drop that in there as well, uh, and then uh, we'll know where our pens are next week. It would be great. So that's the biggest stress of my Sunday morning. Where are the pens? Where are the pens? Oh. Why don't you stand with us, and we'll go out singing one more.